Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. CBS casts a new DEO agent. Melissa Benoist experiences puppy kryptonite. And we discuss Stronger Together. This, this is Supergirl, Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Therese Giussino. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the season one episode called Stronger Together. But before we get into our discussion, as always, we have... The News. We have an exclusive Supergirl casting announcement from the good folks at the Mary Sue, which is my home away from home. Uh, We've gotten word that actress Emma Caulfield, whom all of you might know as Anya from Buffy, among other things, will be appearing in an upcoming episode of Supergirl as Cameron Chase. Uh, Here's the official character description from the executive producers. After her father's violent murder, Cameron Chase decided to dedicate her life to law enforcement. Now a stern, no-holds-barred FBI agent, Chase's weapons of choice are manipulation and manpower. With little sympathy and plenty of suspicions, she pursues her targets with ruthless determination. Um, Now, we actually talked about Chase a little bit uh, in a previous episode, and I know that you, Rebecca, were excited about Chase possibly being on the show. Uh, What do you think about the casting news and the uh, description of the character? Yes, I'm so excited about this. Um, (laughs) Getting a new DEO agent is so exciting. And it's funny because a couple of months ago, I probably would not have any interest in this because I would have not known about Cameron Chase. But after that recommendation uh, by Michael Bailey to read Chase, the the graphic novel kind of compilation of those uh, DEO stories, I am so excited because Cameron Chase is a pretty cool character. And I think the description is fairly accurate to what I read about her in Chase. It talks about her father being murdered. Um, that's actually something that's happened uh, in the comics where her father, Walter Chase, um, was actually a hero known as Acrobat who gets killed. And that kind of you know, drives her passion uh, for what she does in law enforcement. So that description sounds pretty accurate and and pretty close to the comics. And what I'm I'm not only excited about Cameron Chase and the fact that Emma Caulfield is such a good actress and I think she's going to rock it, but I'm also hoping this brings us one step closer to Director Bones. It's got <laughs> to happen. I am championing. I, I'm campaigning for Director Bones to show up because in the comics. Director Bones is the one who recruits Cameron Chase to the DEO. So she actually has a direct connection to that weirdo character. (laughs) So I'm hoping that this will open the doors to uh, a Director Bones appearance as well. But yeah, I'm so excited about Cameron Chase coming on Supergirl. 
That is awesome. Well, now I, I really need to read that uh, that graphic novel that you read because um, it sounds really cool. And um, I just love Emma Caulfield. I think she's great. And I'm glad that she's joining the Supergirl family. So, yay. Yeah. And if anybody uh, is listening to this and, want to, and wants to hear us talk about the graphic novel Chase and the character of Cameron Chase, you can check out our spotlight on Hank Henshaw and the DEO, which was... Episode 33 of our Season 0 batch of episodes. So if you want to go back to September 2015, we talk about it in that episode. Good callback. Good callback. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, you can watch the Supergirl pilot with audio commentary from Allie Adler, Sarah Schechter, and Glenn Winter on CBS.com. There's lots of great behind-the-scenes insights into how they shot the episode, uh, and I highly recommend it. So if you want to watch it, head over to CBS.com slash shows slash Supergirl slash video. I'm helping you out there, people, because it's kind of <laughs> it's it's buried in there in the videos. Um, but that will get you to the episode commentary. And I personally love audio commentaries. I'm a super huge nerd about that kind of stuff. <laughs> and the, some of the things I thought were really interesting were that when they talk about Melissa Benoist having to play Kara's kind of um, awkwardness in, in her secret identity life, they call that Benoisting. Um, or finding the level of Benoist. And so I thought that was really cute that they've coined a term for that. And what I thought was even more interesting is that when they were talking about the Flight 237 plane rescue, that big, awesome sequence in the pilot, that was apparently a note that they had gotten from CBS. So some executive was like, hey, how about Supergirl saving a plane? Um, so if I <laughs> if I understood that correctly... One of the executives is uh, to be uh, applauded for <laughs> that great idea because that's one of my favorite sequences in the pilot. So kudos to whoever mentioned that. So I highly recommend if you liked the pilot and you like Supergirl, check out the audio commentary because that is pretty cool. Definitely. And uh, it's funny because I am not a fan of commentaries, <laughs> mostly because like I get I like them in theory, but in practice, they're often just like, and this is the part where we did this. And it's like I'm looking at it like I can see that that's what you're doing. Like you don't have to say that over it for me to get it. But this one is actually really, really fun. Um, so it, even if you're not interested in commentaries, like the Supergirl commentary is really fun. And it seems like this group of people have a lot of fun together. Um I'm thrilled also that uh, the Supergirl writing staff now has a Twitter handle because I definitely want to follow them and keep up with them because it seems like just such a fun group of people to work with. And I could tell that they they bounce off each other really well. They, you know, they just seem to have a lot of fun. So. Yeah, and they all seem to really love the show and the concept of Supergirl. So I, I think that's what makes the audio commentary so good because, yeah, some commentaries are hit or miss. <laughs> you could have really yeah. terrible commentaries based on who is doing it. But this one um, has three people who are super passionate about this show, and it, it, it shows through what they have to say. So definitely check it out. Well, uh, MTV did an interview with Melissa Benoist uh, asking her Supergirl questions while she was surrounded by puppies. So this unfair. Was actually Really, really cute. Um, and it's 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 really adorable. So head over to MTB.com or to their YouTube channel to check it out. 
And uh, and we also wrote about this at the Mary Sue as well. And uh, I think my colleague Jessica over there wrote it. And she said something like, and then there's this part in the video where, you know, they just add more puppies onto the, the couch <laughs> that she's sitting on. And it's like, of course, that's what you do with puppies. You just add more puppies. Yes. Like, it's just piles of puppies somewhere that you can just put on a person. And it's they, so cute. And they all have little Justice League um, clothing on. There's a Green Lantern <laughs> in there. There's a Batman. There's there's a Supergirl puppy that she gets really excited about. So if you haven't seen that, you should watch it. Well, now we're actually in it. We, you know, we've passed the pilot. The pilot's been around for a while. Now we're getting into the very first episode of Supergirl. Uh, here's the official description um, from CBS for episode two, which is called Stronger Together. When Kara's when Kara's, excuse me, when Kara's attempts to help National City don't go according to plan, she must put aside the doubts that she and the city's media has about her abilities in order to capture an escapee from the Kryptonian prison, Fort Roz. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Um, now, Supergirl definitely had to do a lot of learning and kind of some growing up in this episode. Uh, what did you think about her first attempts at at rescuing people and saving the day. I thought it was very in character for Supergirl to be like, yeah, I got this. I can totally handle this. I'm totally ready for this. And her cockiness kind (laughs) of leads to her downfall because she thinks she's ready for it and she's definitely not. Like when she goes to save the, uh, the ship at the port, she totally botches it. I mean, she gets there and (laughs) she shows up and one of the first things that somebody says to her is, hey, you need to blow this out. Like, they had to tell her what to do, which I was like, oh, Kara, you're already dropping the ball. (laughs) You didn't go in there with a plan. And she just made it worse, which I felt so terrible for her because she was trying to help and she was trying to do the right thing, but she ended up causing a big mess. And uh, so I, I liked that she was willing to help, but I also thought it was very in character that she kind of jumped first or flew first and asked questions later. And so I I think it's cool that we get to see her kind of struggle with that and kind of learn, hey, maybe I need to think about this a little more. Yeah, actually, it's it's funny because it is very in character for her. But what's interesting to me is how it comes off with a live action performance versus reading it in the comics. Because in the comics, we do see a lot of that, you know, of those growing pains of her um, evolving as a superhero. And in the comics, it kind of can come off as, you know, a lot of like teenage angst or a lot of like, you know, like she's overly stubborn or overly like, I'm going to charge in and do this. And then she screws up, but she... You know, it comes off differently. Whereas with Melissa Benoist, it's almost like she's grabbing this oil tanker. She causes an oil spill. And then the look on her face is like, oopsie. And it's like, how can you be mad at her? You can't. You can't. Like Supergirl in the comics, you can be mad at and be like, hey, what's going on? But like (laughs) Melissa Benoist, it's like all she has to do is like smile her twinkly smile. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, and obviously in the story, you know, she is dealing with more media scrutiny than that. And obviously they're not falling for her twinkly smile, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, like we as viewers can sympathize more with Supergirl because of her performance. And we understand that she is trying her best. It's not about her trying to prove that she's better than anybody else. It's not about her trying to, you know, do a better job than, than law enforcement or than the fire department or whatever. She genuinely just wants to help. And that, 
genuine sense of of, of wanting to uh, to help others really comes through uh, as she plays it. Yeah, and I like that at the beginning of the episode, we see that she's training with the DEO, or they're testing her, and however you want to say it. Um, but she's actually trying to become a field agent, is what it kind of seemed like. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to do things to help her in positions when she needs to go out and help people. So I liked that she, and of course, at the end of the episode, we kind of see that she's um, kind of wanting to take more of an effort to make herself better at this because she realizes that she's not as good as she thinks that she is. But to be fair, and James and Wynn keep telling her this all throughout the episode, is like, it's only been a week. It's been a week since you... came out as an alien and so it's you know everybody has things they have to work through even superman had to um get better at being a superhero which i appreciated because i'm a man of steel fan and that cannot be said enough yes (laughs) but but uh i like that she um does kind of eventually learn that i need to really take this seriously and we see her do that when she is working with the DEO and working with James and when yeah actually it's interesting when you bring up uh, the DEO training at the beginning because the the whole theme of of the episode I mean it's in the title stronger together and it's all about how um, kind of different characters including Kara learn that they need help uh, with things and it's interesting that in the beginning, the whole point of her doing this training is because she wants to be a field agent for the DEO. She's not just interested in being a superhero by herself. She wants to serve a group. She wants to be a part of a team. So I think it's interesting that right at the beginning of, of Supergirl, we're seeing her want to join others in saving people as opposed to doing it entirely on her own. Yeah, and I really like that scene between her and James where she talks about how she has learned to accept help um, that, you know, that stems from the S on, you know, the House of L uh, glyph. It's Kryptonian for El Mayara, which means yes. stronger together. And I really appreciated that because she said, you know, this is something that I was taught. This is how I was raised. And this is why I'm different from Superman. And I liked that she doesn't shy away from that. She doesn't see it as a weakness. She even says, like, it's an honor to ask for help. And I thought that was a cool way of looking at that. And I like that you're right with the, you know, she's asking for help and working with a team with the DEO, with James and Wynn, with Catco, with her sister. So Mm -hmm. I I like that we're getting to see all of these elements where she is paired with people who want to help in her cause and who she wants to help in their cause. Definitely. And I think that's one of the places where this show really explores its feminism. Like there's the outward, like at the beginning when uh, Kara assumes, or I think Alex assumes that, oh, because she's a girl that she, you know, has to be put through all these tests or, or Hank Henshaw says, you know, it's not because she's a girl. It's because she, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And they, they, they say that kind of stuff out loud all the time. And I'm like, okay, we get it. But one of the ways that I think it, it explores those themes really well is in the fact that like Kara is a very, I mean, she's a female superhero. And with that comes 
that sense of community and that sense of of wanting to do things together and they're exploring that through her. Because for James, you know, James is a guy is taught to like, you know, you don't ask anybody for help. You, you get it done. You do it on your own. You, you know. Um, and so what Kara is giving to him, I mean, obviously it's through her Kryptonian culture and it's being delivered that way. But there's a, a sense like permeating through the whole show that's like this show is different because this hero embraces – being part of a community right from the beginning. It's not something she has to be convinced of. It's not something that, that like, even on The Flash or on Arrow, they kind of have to be convinced to let other people join in. Right. Whereas Kara, right from the beginning, is like, yes, I want all the friends. I want everyone helping <laughs> me. I want to tell everyone. Let's do this. Um, and I think that's the real difference, and that's kind of the best way to to explore kind of what women bring to the table is that sense of community and that desire to kind of use everybody's strengths for the greater good. And I like that when she's talking to James, she says part of being your own man is knowing when to accept help. And I yep. thought that that was a cool lesson for him to learn. Cause like you were saying, not to, not to beat up on the men folk, but you know, that, that does seem to be a common thread through some of these, especially DC TV shows where, it's it's the guys who have trouble asking for help. And I liked that Kara was the one who got to advise him a little bit in this episode. Because a lot of times we'll see him being the one to give her advice on how to do things or how a hero should be or um, what she can do to be better. But here she was giving him practical advice about, you know, being his own man and, and what that means. So I, I really liked that scene. Yeah, I think that was my favorite scene in the whole episode, um, or one of them. I think it, no, it was my favorite. Um, but, ju- <laughs> but just to be clear, like I, I also d- don't want to sound like I'm beating up on the men folk because I think it, it you know, kind of sucks that men are expected to not ask for help. You know, like that, that's not a cool thing. Like, and and it's okay to ask for help when you need it. And I think it's important that. You know, it's not a criticism. It's a kind of encouragement to like, hey, if you if you need help, ask for it. It's cool. It doesn't make you less of a less of an adult man, you know. <laughs> and, so, um, and sometimes that is difficult to do because sometimes you want to be your own person and you want to be able yeah. to have the strength to do things for yourself and by yourself. Like even when I was yeah. going through chemo last year. I, you know, I didn't have too bad of fatigue, but there were days when I came home and I did not want to do anything. Like if I was at work all day and came home and I remember my mom telling me, cause like people would be really nice and send me things in the mail, like uh, send me care packages and things they thought I could use that would be helpful for me. And, you know, I, I would tell my mom, I'd be like, you know, I, I feel so bad that all these people are sending me stuff. You know, I, I don't want them to spend their money and, and do all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, my friends wanted to come over on the weekend to, you know, kind of help me out. And I felt bad because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a burden on people. And my mom told me one of the best things that I, you know, took away from that was she said, you know, let people help you. You know, they Mm -hmm. want to help you, let them help you. So I think there is a stubbornness in all of us to to sometimes (laughs) have trouble asking for help because either, you know, we want to be stronger on our own or we uh, don't want to feel like a burden in need of help. But I think that's, it's, that was a a good little piece of advice that Cara gave to James. And I think we can all learn from that. No, it's true. And I, you know, listen, I am the worst when it comes to like, like, you know, I'll be screwing something up and still be like, I got it. No, I got it. I'll get it. And (laughs) it's like, no, just, just let somebody help you with this, please. Um, well, moving on to uh, – because I 
one of the other highlights for me, in addition to that scene with uh, with James and Kara, was Cat Grant in this episode. It was oh, really was so interesting good. to me. She was so good. Uh, she, she was great. And 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 so let's talk about her a little bit. Um, her really wanting this exclusive with Supergirl and and. Uh, kind of wanting to uh, shape the narrative from the beginning. Like she felt like she gave Supergirl her name and now she feels like it's being taken away from her uh, by the Daily Planet and like other, you know, she wants to make sure to scoop that first interview before anybody else. I mean, I know you're a Cat Grant fan, so what are you? Uh, what are your thoughts on her in this episode? Well, my first takeaway from Cat in this episode was that she taught me the word self-immolation. I didn't know that that word existed, so I had to go and look it up. It means the offering of oneself as a sacrifice, especially by burning, such as uh, suicidal action in the name of a cause or strongly held belief. So thank you, Kat Grant, for teaching me a new word today that I can add to my vocabulary. But yeah, I was so excited about Kat because we got to see her as, you know, not just Kat Grant media mogul, but Kat Grant the writer, Kat Grant the journalist who wanted to get the scoop. And I love that we got Daily Planet history out of her. She says that she started out as Perry White's assistant and got a chance to write articles for the gossip column. And I was like, yay! So she does have Daily Planet history. And um, it made me so happy, even though I love Clark and Lois, that that Cat Grant called them hags at the Daily Planet. Yeah. <laughs> even, even, even if she was bad-mouthing Lois and Clark, at least she did it in a really humorous way that made me laugh. Um, but And that's so in character, too. Oh. Like... <laughs> totally, because she's in competition with them. And I I liked seeing Kat try to work all the angles. She knew that the Daily Planet had been scooping them a little bit. And she was like, James, you know, can we work your connections? Which I found a little weird, though, because I would have thought Kat would have known Superman. But maybe James knows him a little more personally. So that's why she yeah. can't do that. But, um, but yeah, I liked seeing her journalist side come out. And that that was very exciting. I thought it was interesting, too, how she compared um, when Kara kind of comes in and surreptitiously asks her for advice, like, mm-hmm. on behalf of Supergirl. Like, oh, if Supergirl were here, what would you tell her? Um, and she gives her advice kind of based on her own career, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Like, when you know, she's like, when I started out, I started from the bottom, worked my way up, start small and build, which I thought was interesting, too, because I'd be curious if any of our listeners are millennials, um, because it seems to be a very, like, because I'm on the cusp, I think. It depends on who you ask and what, what the cutoff is. But, like, I was born in 1979. I think that's, that's like, the end of one and the beginning of the other, depending on what years you're going by. But it's a very kind of older generation millennial thing, like, not thinking that younger people are willing to pay their dues. And, like, they're um, – it's just funny because she sounded like bosses that I've had where she's like, oh, kids nowadays, they expect to get a promotion in six months just for being <laughs> here. And it's like they're not – you know, and, and it, it sounded very much like she was preserving like all of the work and time and, and you know, effort and the dues that she's paid. Um, and it was interesting to hear her talk to Kara like that in that context because, uh, you know, thinking about former bosses of mine that, you know – had very different circumstances than I did and thinking about me now and how, you know, younger girls and, and, you know, younger women coming up into the workforce, like what they expect from their, you know, their work experience. Like it's interesting to see that generational difference too. 
Yeah, and I think that says so much about Kat as the the head of Catco is that she is so proud of what she's accomplished and she wants to have that control over it and she wants to make it better like she's always striving to make things better it seems like or or at least better in her eyes that she you know when she wants to be number one she wants to have control of the supergirl thing and i think if you did work that hard to accomplish those things you would have a lot of sense of ownership over them mm-hmm. and so i think that's that says a lot about the cat grant character that she paid her dues and worked from from the bottom to get to where she is now yeah well and also it says a lot too because she she genuinely does i think care um i mean she's putting on this you know this hardened front i think but I think she, on some level, does want Supergirl to succeed. One, for her own ratings and her own readership, but also because I think she is jazzed by the idea that there's a female superhero in National City. I think there's some part of her that that wants to see that happen, just in general. And so the advice that she gives to Supergirl, even though she doesn't know that she's giving it directly to Supergirl <laughs> in that moment, um, I think is very genuine. And she she doesn't she doesn't want to see her screw up. Like she it's like tough love, you know? Oh, yeah. Like she 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 wants her to succeed, but she's not gonna like, you know, tiptoe around what Supergirl is doing wrong. Another really great part of this episode, uh, again, it's probably my favorite relationship in the whole thing, is between Kara and Alex. And I said that the the James-Kara scene was my favorite, but my second favorite is definitely their training session when uh, Alex and Kara are in this kryptonite-lined kind of training space where the playing field is kind of leveled and you get to see all the technique that Alex has that Kara lacks. Um, What did you think about that scene? I like that we get a little bit of history with Alex through this whole sequence. She, she tells Kara that she had a whole year of training before Hank even let her out into the field. So Alex like Kat has paid her dues and has done what she needed to do to get to where she is now. So I liked even just getting that little bit of dialogue to let us know what Alex has been through. And I I thought it was cool that um, (laughs) when Alex takes her into this room, she goes in there clearly knowing what she's going to have to do because she talks to Hank afterwards saying, you know, I hated that you made me do this. Um, But I love the little moment where she's like, you know, are you ready for this? And Kara's like, yeah, I'm ready enough. And Alex punches her in the face, like doesn't even hesitate. <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. It was a great little shot because it you know, was right at the camera. So I, um, I really enjoyed their sequence because the, the fights I've noticed on this show are fairly fast. Like the choreography is very fast. And so yeah. I, I really like that. And I thought their fighting was really good and believable. And I thought it was really interesting that Alex talks about how the kryptonite emitters in the room were set at 18%. And as a Superman fan, I thought that was really interesting because um, Alex says it's not enough to permanently harm Supergirl, but enough to weaken her. And I just kept thinking about Smallville and how, like, if Clark got in the room with a little pebble of kryptonite, <laughs> yeah. if he if he got even within an inch of a small thing of kryptonite, he would fall to the ground 
like he was going to die. <laughs> so so the fact that Supergirl can kind of withstand about 18% of kryptonite, it, it's going to weaker, but she's not going to die. So I thought yeah. that was really interesting that they've thought through about what levels of kryptonite can hurt the Kryptonians because like later in the episode we see that you know Hank stabs Astra with that kryptonite knife. Yes, which so, I thought was so amazing. I love so that. awesome. Um so there are levels of kryptonite that are, you know, have different effects on them. So I thought that was really um interesting. And um I just I just thought it was cool to see Alex really take charge in that and she taught Kara something that would pay off later in the episode when she was fighting yes. Astra. So uh totally awesome sequence i loved the way it was shot i loved all the green and the kryptonite emitters and uh i hope we get to see more of uh alex training Kara. yeah i have to say i'm just loving alex more and more um because she really is exceptional like for a human the only reason that Kara is better than her quote end quote better than her is because she's an alien who happens to have these powers but if the playing fields were were level, we see that Alex would clearly surpass her, and um, and it's really cool to see that like she she really is just that good on her own. And I think Kara looks up to her because of that. Um, she recognizes that in her that that even without powers, Alex is still a force to be reckoned with, which I love. Yeah, and I think after somebody busts you up so much that you're limping the next day, you're gonna take them seriously. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah. The fact that even Kara was in Catco kind of limping <laughs> and she like makes this excuse that she's been to a kickboxing class. Yeah. What, what, yeah. A, a, that shows that, you know, she now takes Alex seriously as a fighter. And B, it also, to me, says that the kryptonite effects last a little while. You know, she might have gotten out of that room, but she's still didn't heal properly right away. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I enjoyed that little, little, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've been taking kickboxing and it's kind of roughing me up. Um, well, and there's this other, uh, moment between Kara and Alex, uh, later in the episode, um, where, you know, they're, they're kind of talking again about, uh, cause Kara has revealed herself to both Wynn and Jimmy and now they, or James, excuse me. <laughs> and, and they both know that the other one knows. And so now they're kind of team Supergirl over there. And Alex is kind of like, is that a good idea to like tell everyone that, you know, <laughs> or tell, she's like, I, you know, I have a right to have friends. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation because they've each been carrying around a secret Alex has always felt like she should be and could be protecting Kara, but now she has to learn that Kara is capable of protecting and and looking after her, too. So there's a certain level of trust that needs to be built as well, because she's so used to playing the big sister role that she's, you know, now that Kara, you know, is using her powers, um, she has to get used to the fact that, that, you know, Kara can sometimes save her butt the way that she has always saved Kara's butt. Oh, yeah, and you totally see that at the end of the episode when Alex gets abduct, ab- abducted by Helgramite, and when she's faced with Astra, she tells Astra, you know, Supergirl will find me. She has a real faith that Kara is going to locate her and come and save her, and I thought that was awesome because I think Alex realized she's not in a room with kryptonite emitters when she's with Astra, so maybe she can't do anything at that point, but she knew that Carl would come for her. And um, 
I thought that little sequence was awesome because that was when we got to see Supergirl flying over the city listening um, mm-hmm. and, and hearing her say that. And I hope that at some point in the series, um, because I've read comics where Superman can like recognize Lois Lane's heartbeat mm-hmm. and that's kind of how he can find her sometimes. And so I think that would be really cool if Supergirl and Alex have that kind of connection to where you know, you don't necessarily need her to say anything, but maybe she'll she'll recognize that right away. So um, I really liked that that Alex had the faith in Supergirl that she would come for her. Um, and I do want to get into that whole you know Ann Astra thing at the end because that's that's just there's just so much there. But first, let's talk about our our smaller guest villain. Let's talk about Helgramite because Yay. I thought it was uh, it was interesting how they handled this. And uh, well, what did you think about it? I liked him because he was scary, and I liked the the little um, stingers he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a unique take on it, and um, I liked that he had a reason for doing what he was doing. He, he was hungry, so he's trying to find some food. So I I liked that that was part of his motivation that it wasn't just he was trying to cause trouble he was like trying to look out for himself and I liked that he was connected to Astra that all of those Fort Ross folks were working together in in a way Um, and that he (laughs) that he was smart enough to be like um, I know what that S does to people, so I'm going to stay away, <laughs> stay away yeah. from that. And I'm going <laughs> to—that was a great line. I'm going to go and do my own thing because I, I don't want to have anything to do with you guys. Um, so I like that he was trying to break free from that and kind of do his own thing. But I was a little disappointed that he didn't get a whole lot more to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like his little bit with Alex and how Alex was able to kind of take him on um, and kind of stand her ground with him. Uh, so I liked Helgramite. I liked the um, the nod to Al Plastino, one of the co-creators of Supergirl with the Plastino yep. chemicals where he had been hanging out. Um, so I, I liked I liked him for the most part. I just wish there had been more with him. I'm, I'm sad that he, he's he's gone from us too soon. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, um, first of all, I did love the design of the character. Like the way when when that jaw comes open and you see all of that, it's the most frightening it's thing ever. Um, I have to say, though, I was kind of disappointed in that, you know, hell, it, it wasn't like there was a villain called Helgramite. It was like, they, you know, Helgramite is the species and he's a Helgramite. Like he is one of many Helgramites. Right. And so I feel like that kind of took away from because, you know, we find out that there's a connection to to Aunt Astra and it just seems like he's one of many Helgramites. Like he could have been anybody in this situation. And just the way that he's so easily dispatched at the end, like Alex just kind of, you know, <laughs> like he comes after Alex, she kills him the end. Like she's injured and she kills him. And it's like the most inconsequential fight ever. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's two seconds of, of tussle and then he's done. So I kind of wish that he were like built up as more of a character. I mean, not, you know, I don't, I don't think they particularly did Vartox any favors, but like something like that where where he's he's here for an individual character driven reason as opposed to, you know, all of the, you know, the Helgramites in the prison need food. You know, and 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 why is he working with Astra? Like, you know, it's it just didn't seem personal enough for me. Well, my hope, since you you mentioned that the Helgramite was kind of a 
I don't want to say a people group, maybe like an insect group is more appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> a species. Um, a species. Yeah. Um, maybe there were other Helgramite uh, prisoners in Fort Ross. So maybe this is not the only Helgramite that we'll, we will see. There could, there, oh, yeah. I mean, Fort Ross was a big place. So maybe, maybe at some point down the road, maybe there will be another Helgramite. I don't know if it will look like Justice League or if it will look like somebody else, but I, I hope that we get to see Helgramites again because Kara, obviously the young Kara had studied them when she was a kid. So maybe they could come back into play sometime. Actually, I'm glad you brought uh, young Kara up because I, before we get into the the main stuff at the end, I did want to talk about that flashback because that was such a beautiful mm-hmm. moment. Um, yeah. What did you think about that? That uh, <laughs> And it was lucky that she had that flashback in that moment to uh, to, t- <laughs> to tell them exactly what a Helgramite was. No, but it, it, it was great. And it was a, a fun memory. What did you uh, think of that scene? My young Kara was living large. I mean, <laughs> that place was nice. I don't know if that was her bedroom or not, but dang, that was a nice house. And she had a nice view. I was jealous. Um, yeah. But I really liked seeing that because it was neat to see what life was like on Krypton for her, you know, and in some ways it was sort of like it would be for us as kids where, you know, your parents might come in and be like, okay, it's time to go to bed. Don't stay up too late. And uh, so it was sort of similar in that regard. Like I could identify with that, but it was also cool to see some of the technology, some of the Kryptonian technology that she was dealing with. She had this like Kryptonian Google or wiki or whatever she was using to where like she could just <laughs> look something up. And I liked seeing Alora with Yankara because I think that's a really sweet relationship. And I like that we got more info. We have more information now about Alora, about how she was a judge and she was about justice. And she talks about the military guild, which I thought was interesting that we had talked a little bit when we were reading some of the Sterling Gates books. I believe yeah. that the guilds mm-hmm. kind of take uh, – play a part in those. So I yeah, thought, I she thought was thinking it, about Science Guild, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's cool that the Military Guild um, was mentioned. And I also thought it was fun that <laughs> we found out that Zorel is not a good cook. Yes. So for all he is probably great at, he, cooking is not one of them. So I just liked that we got some idea of what life was like on Krypton for young Kara. Definitely. I really love, love, love this version of Allura. Um, she's just such like she's the most inspirational mom ever. <laughs> she, you know, every every kid should be lucky enough to have a a parent that encourages them the way Allura encourages yes. young Kara. Because um, and it's interesting to see Laura Benanti as both Allura and Astra because the. the the per- the performances are really so different. Like you you look at her face and it's and it's it's like she physically softens her face when she's Alora. Like I don't know how she does it, but her face seems harder when she is Astra. Like whatever she's bringing to her performance, it definitely comes through. And uh, I think she's rocking both parts. Um, but yeah, that scene was really sweet, and I agree more than her room. I'm jealous of her tech. Like I really <laughs> want that that whatever computer cube thing that she had that was you know giving her holograms of stuff i want one of those i was so jealous though because well i was so mad because i could not read the kryptonese i was really (laughs) wanting to i was really wanting to translate yeah it's translate when you're writing it down right yeah yeah or is it translate when you're talking i forget i think it's 
both. Well, you wanted, yeah, you wanted to be able to, to translate it yes. from Kryptonese to English. Yes. Um, but uh, even though I couldn't, I, I really liked the, um, uh, you, you, had, you had mentioned that Alora was kind of a very inspirational mom. And I liked the dialogue that went through the episode between Alora and Alex, where they both told Kara that she had the heart of a hero. Yes. And I, I really enjoyed that because her Kryptonian side and kind of her human uh, f- familial connection both believed that she had the hero in her the whole time. And so I, I thought that was really touching. Very much less touching than that uh, <laughs> is Aunt Astra, who is probably the other end of the spectrum is like the worst relative that you want at Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, she finally, you know, with with Alex being trapped, she kind of sets a trap for Kara because obviously Kara is going to come for her and Astra is going to have access to her. And at first it's like she tries to recruit Kara. Um, she's trying to appeal to that family sense of duty and honor and being a Kryptonian and all of that. And she seems to have an interesting sense of honor herself um, and that she's trying to save everything. Um, I don't think she knows what that word means or I don't know what it means to her yet, but she wanted to save quote unquote Krypton and got thrown in jail. Now she wants to save humanity quote unquote and she's doing all these horrible things already to to accomplish that goal. Um, what do you think her deal is? I like that she was put in jail by her sister. I think yeah. that is, <laughs> I mean, I would have a grudge if uh, if someone in my family put me in prison, that might be a might, might be a little hard to get over. <laughs> That's um, true. But uh, but the question is, did she deserve it? That's or, true. Or was Allura in the wrong? Like, whose sense of justice is actually right in this case? Is what I want to know. And I don't think we have enough information to to figure that out yet. Oh, exactly. Because Astra is the one who's like, Allura was speaking lies. Like, (laughs) you know, she's trying to make it like Allura was the bad guy in the situation. So from her point of view, uh, from a certain point of view, uh, as Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, you know, there is there there is the Allura perspective and there's the Astra perspective. So at at this point, we don't know which one is right. But uh, I like that um, she (laughs) was put in there by her sister. And I liked the bit that we learned. Kara tells the story to Alex about how when she was little, she knew that her mom and her aunt fought a lot and that her mom told her it was because Astra didn't have faith in people. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think that says so much about Astra's character is that she probably couldn't get over some things that people had done because she didn't believe that maybe people could be better or people could um, do the right thing or whatever. And so maybe Astra took some situation in her own hands and did it her own way. Um, so I, I think that was <laughs> really cool to get a little more information on Alora and Astra's relationship. Yeah, with that line, it's it's like she, we kind of get the sense that Astra is, she went to the Rachel Ghoul school of ruling people. Mm-hmm. Like she, you know, it's like people can't be trusted. Eventually they'll all be corrupt. So we have to kill them all and start over. Like that's kind of the mindset behind that way of thinking is like, oh, I'm going to save you. I'm going to like, I'm going to save Gotham by destroying it first. <laughs> uh, I'm going to save National City. I'm going to save the planet Earth by killing everyone and destroying everything. And then we'll start from scratch and it'll be great. And it's like, no, that's not great. That's, that's not how you not do an that. Answer. <laughs> no, we're not going to, we can't just start the whole human race over again. That's not how that works. 
so I am curious as to what she's up to and, and you know, now that she's escaped. And not only has she escaped, but she now knows what kryptonite is. Like, it's being examined right now. So it went from being the secret that only Supergirl knew about to now a Kryptonian knows about it. So it'll be interesting to see how the DEO keeps up with that because um, as Astra learns more about it and, and figures it out and gets stronger, what will the DEO have to counter that? Oh, yeah, she's totally going to use it to her advantage and figure out a way to make it so that she can wield kryptonite in a way that will hurt Supergirl. And one of the things I thought was interesting to me was that, you know, we had talked about how Andrew Kreisberg had mentioned that one of the appeals to having the Astra character was that Supergirl would have to punch her and feel like she's punching her mother. And I thought it was cool that we got information on Astra and young Kara's relationship, that young Kara would go and sit on Astra's lap and Astra would teach her the names of the stars. And I thought that was cool because it wasn't necessarily just, oh, that's my mom's sister. It's, oh, that's my aunt who I had Mm -hmm. a relationship with and I had a bond with. And so, yes, she looks like her mother, but also she had this relationship with her and had a good connection with her. And that I think it would make it even tougher. So I I liked getting to know that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it's true. And and I think it's better that way. It's it it shouldn't just be about her mom. It should be that she actually has a relationship with this person who's her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else that's interesting, too, is that clearly Astra is not the only one who is in play here because she's reporting to somebody else that we still have not seen. Um, as she was recovering from the kryptonite knife, she sends that off and then she turns around and there's kind of someone in the shadows that she's talking to about her niece and her, you know, my niece is stronger than I thought and various other things. And so I'm just curious about who she was talking to. The only person who I, or the only Kryptonian maybe I could think of who that might be applying to is non because we know there is a non coming and oh I, yeah i would assume that non would have been in fort Ross as well um so maybe it's non but i kind of don't like the idea that astra would be reporting to somebody i want astra to be the big cheese i want she too she's the general so there should be nobody above the general um, it's true so but it's I, oh sorry go ahead no you go ahead no, no, I, I was just going to say, like, I, I agree. Like, I, I kind of want her to be, like, the the be-all and end-all as far as, as you know, the big bad goes. Um, but it did seem like, it, like you know, she was rep- reporting to somebody in a subservient way. I could have read that wrong. Maybe, you know, she's talking to a subordinate. I don't know. But um, it did seem like there was somebody even bigger than her. And so I'm like, okay, who is that? But, again, we don't know. Um but yeah, that that situation is going to be interesting to watch play out. The whole uh, the the overarching story of Kara going after Astra. I just wanted to mention really quickly that I thought it was awesome that we got like a heat vision duel. Yes, it's like this standoff <laughs> between Astra and Supergirl using their heat vision. I thought that was awesome. Um, it's not like that could really go anywhere because it's not going to injure either one of them. Um, but I thought that was really cool. And I liked their fight, even though some of it, there were parts where like the wire work was a little clunky, but for the most part, I thought that was really cool. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're getting a bona fide Kryptonian battle in episode Mm -hmm. two. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, they, they're really 
you know, pulling out all the stops in this episode. I have to say, between that fight, which I agree, some of the some of the wire work was weird, but overall it looked really cool. And just watching an aerial fight in general is awesome. Yeah, oh yeah. But also the fight with with Alex and Kara in the training center. I mean, that was really well choreographed, uh, so well done. So the fight choreography on this show, props to them because they're really making it work and, and giving us a really really great entertainment value for you know all the fights that they do. But going to uh, let's move on to the big reveal at the end of this episode, where all of a sudden after. Kara and Alex agree that they're going to have to go after Astra and and take her down. Um, we see a glimpse of Hank Henshaw walking down the hall, and all of a sudden his eyes start glowing red. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so one can can kind of make an educated guess that Hank Henshaw, who is Cyborg Superman in the comics, might have some of that going on in episode two of this show. <laughs> Well, it made me wonder if, because I wasn't really clear because Hank stabs Astra with the kryptonite knife or the blade, whatever you want to call it. And I didn't know if like he got infected by something like that didn't seem very plausible. So it makes me think that he has had this little secret um, for a while, that this is maybe something that he's just been kind of, or I don't even, I don't even know totally if he knows that it's happening that's another mm. thing that I wondered, like, is he aware that his eyes are glowing red or is he just walking and his eyes are glowing red and he has no idea that that's happening? So I have so many questions about what he knows about those glowy red eyes. But Hank m- mentioned a little bit of his backstory. I mean, just yes. the very slight um, mention of it. Supergirl asks him, do you have a family? And he says, I did. So yeah. that also makes me wonder if they are going to retain that whole bit about his, you know, wife being his wife, killed yeah. um, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if he'll be in a spaceship or not, uh, but maybe something with that scenario with his family possibly being killed, maybe that's what causes him to uh, develop these abilities or whatever it is. I mean, I think that they, you know, judging by what they've done already um, with Helgramite, for example, like they kind of seem to want to take a, a slightly different approach to these comic book characters. So like with Helgramite, you know, they made Helgramite the species as opposed to a dude in a bug suit with bug powers. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so uh, perhaps with Hank Henshaw, Henshaw he might you know, be Cyborg Superman or or have elements of Cyborg Superman, but it might not necessarily be the version we're expecting or mm-hmm. it might not manifest in the way that we're expecting. So I'm kind of excited for that. I want to see how they play with it. Because um, obviously they, they kind of, you know, had this in at the end uh, and fans are going to know exactly what it is. Um, I apologize, by the way, to um, any of our Mary Sue readers who read my Supergirl recap over there because some of them weren't familiar with Hank Henshaw from the comics. And so when I mentioned Cyborg Superman in the review, they were like, oh, spoiler. Um, <laughs> so cl- so clearly, like, you know, obviously not everybody's aware who's watching Supergirl on CBS of the names that certain villains have, like Hank Henshaw being Cyborg Superman, not everybody knows that. Um, But with that said, it's cool to see how even somebody who does know that, um, how they can surprise us, 
you know, like how they can make things new for us, uh, knowing going in who people are. Like, you know, when shot, we kind of know the Toy Man Association, but now it seems like they're playing with it a little bit. Uh, So it'll be cool to see how Hank Henshaw ends up evolving. Yeah, that bit with Hank's eyes really caught me off guard. I was like, oh, Hank Henshaw got just a little bit more interesting. Yeah. uh, I I think that will be cool to find out more about his backstory and – and maybe this leads into why he doesn't care for aliens so much. Maybe there's a reason he distrusts uh, aliens and why he has a, a hard time with Supergirl, even though it seemed like by the end of the episode, he had kind of warmed up to Supergirl with all the, the talk of him calling her Miss Danvers and and trying to um, hide the fact that he called her Supergirl. Maybe he was trying to warm up to her. So it'll be interesting to see if, like, he develops a, a good relationship with Supergirl, but then he still has this glowy red eye thing going on. Uh, <laughs> so I'm definitely more interested in Hank and Shaw now. Well, um, I mean, we've pretty much covered the whole episode, but uh, just real quick, uh, what are your final thoughts on Stronger Together? Oh, man, I have so many thoughts. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, I really liked the Cat Grant stuff that we got. Uh, the Daily Planet stuff made me really geek out. Um, I loved all the fights. I love um, the fact that we got to see most, I think, I want to say all of Supergirl's powers in this episode. Maybe not the super ventriloquism, um, <laughs> but we got to see super hearing, super breath. We saw heat vision, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call a little shenanigans on the some of the heat vision because when Kara uses her heat vision to warm Kat's coffee she did it in kind of an obvious way I was like how does nobody in the office see her do that and also she used the heat vision through her glasses which I thought was unusual she didn't like pull the glasses down to do it which is something if I remember correctly uh, Clark would do on Lois and Clark the new adventures of Superman he would do that quite a bit where he would lower his glasses to use his vision powers so I was like mm, I don't know about that the heat vision in the office thing yeah. <laughs> um, but it was cool to see that 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 is I mean we we knew that she probably did that before but it was good to see a confirmation that she's warming up cat's coffee that way. Um, But we got to see super breath and x-ray vision and flight and speed. And I loved that they kind of adopted. I think this is the only incarnation in live action that we've seen. Uh, Like Man of Steel uh, has a really great way of showing flight and breaking the sound barrier because it's adopted from the way jets break the sound barrier. So the way jets do it is exactly how they portray it in Man of Steel with all that stuff coming out behind them. And so I like that Supergirl has adopted that as well. Um, Although I call little shenanigans on that too because Alex is there when she breaks the sound barrier and nobody seems to be bothered by it. I'm like, wouldn't that hurt your ears? I don't know. I've never been close to anybody who's broken the sound barrier, so I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what that does. I don't know what that Um, does to somebody. And we also got to see that she, you know, has healing powers and we got to see her strength on display. So I was just like, oh, my gosh, in this one episode, we saw all of these abilities. That is amazing. No, it was it really was cool to see her kind of exploring each and every power that she has, because I think that's a lot of what the episode was about was about her learning what she can do, what she's capable of, what she's not, where she needs help, where she doesn't. And uh, and so it was a really cool way to see all of her powers was she was kind of experimenting with them all. Um, I think with the heat vision, it's kind of like, you know, like we can see it because we're the viewer. But like, I don't know that that would necessarily be visible. 
um, in yeah, the same I wondered, way. I wondered about that. Can can people actually see heat vision when it's happening? That's a good question. Yeah, it might, yeah, it might just be like, you know, and it's funny because I, I uh, saw a photo of Melissa Benoist in that scene where she's in the heat vision duel and it's just her staring really intently and like <laughs> with, her, with her body inched forward, but with no rays coming out yeah so it's like this is what the the scene looks like without the cgi (laughs) um but but like it's just funny like if we just had people staring at each other really intently for like two minutes of a fight scene (laughs) that would be really weird (laughs) so yeah we do i guess need the visual representation um but as for me I, i i really liked this episode a lot i thought it was solid um they they really you know they hit all the beats just right it was a it was a very clear straightforward story and i love the characters on this show i'm starting to really like them a lot like all of the actors are doing an amazing job and they're bringing a great amount of complexity to each of these parts um they all feel like real people to me they all feel like people i could know which is really cool um my only complaint about the episode is pretty much the helgramite stuff like I I wish that that character would have been handled a little bit better. He kind of seemed unnecessary. Like I kind of felt like between Kara learning how to deal with her powers and being a superhero and the stuff with Astra, I guess Helgramite connected the two, but that's all he seemed to be there for. Mm. Um was to connect Kara to lead him lead her to to Astra basically. But he didn't seem to serve a purpose on his own. So I kind of wish they, I almost wish they would have just cut him out. And like, not that I want Justice League to be out of a job. I'm very <laughs> glad he got that, you know, got that role and got that paycheck. But from a writing standpoint, like, I just wish that, you know, they would have just had the the Kara stuff and the Astra stuff um, without the middleman of that villain necessarily. Like, if we're going to have a, vil- a cool villain from DC Comics... The story should be like about that. I really like the point you made about how you're starting to really like these characters and the people that are on the show. Because one thing we didn't mention that I kind of want to bring up is the end where Alex shows Supergirl kind of her own version of the Fortress of Solitude. Oh, yes. yes. And shows her the artificial intelligence of Allura. And I really loved that scene because you could really feel for Supergirl because she, uh, you know, uh, Allura, the Allura AI says, ask me whatever you want. And, and Supergirl says, well, I would ask for a hug. And Allura says, uh, or Allura's AI says, I'm not programmed to do that. And you, you see, Melissa Benoist was so good in that scene because you can see that she's so emotional about it, but she pulls herself together after getting teared up and then she's like really confident and strong and she's like then tell me more about my aunt Astra like I really loved that moment with her because you can see how vulnerable she can be but then you can see how strong she is and I and that makes me think of Alex when she um talks about how when um Car first came to Earth and kind of lived with their family. She said that Kara's loss of her homeworld never um, diminished her light. And I think that is what's so great about Supergirl. And I've always said that that's what I think differentiates her from Superman. And I think that's what makes me fall in love with the character of Kara and of Supergirl is that she takes that loss and that sadness and makes it her strength. So, yeah, I'm definitely starting to really like these characters, too. Yeah, I totally agree about that with the uh, with 
in with regard to Supergirl. Because um, really, I mean, that's the thing. It's like we're, you know, bad bad things happen to everybody. Um, but the thing that defines who we are isn't necessarily what happens to us, but how we respond to it. Yes. Because um, anybody else, you know, having been through what Kara has been through, might have responded very differently. They'd become Astra, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Kara, because of the person she is, reacted very differently. And she channels all of that, you know, sadness and anger and frustration into something good, uh, which I think is amazing. Um, great episode, um, solid. And uh, actually, uh, that's going to do it for our discussion. But let's hear what our, our listeners had to say about this episode, episode two, Stronger Together. At C. Kinger 13 says, tonight's Supergirl is a strong follow-up to the pilot. Awesome action, fantastic musical selection, and Melissa Benoist remains terrific. I would agree about the music selection with the Pat Benatar, rock on. Um, yeah, I, I was actually going to say, like, I, I feel like every episode they're going to have a montage with a pop song I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the first one, it was, uh, oh, what song uh, was it? Bad Man Pajama. She's Bad Man Pajama, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> like, this, this show has the best soundtrack already. Continue. At Crispy47 says, that was a great episode. Love the fight between Supergirl and her aunt. Great special effects, too. At Topaz Genius says, absolutely incredible. At Sarah Joy 77 says, amazing, even better than the first. At Roman Reigns 25 says, one word, amazing. At Mugglewarrer33394 says, I wish she and her aunt met met later on but meh still a sweet episode so <laughs> i can understand that that maybe there's a reason to want to build up to that but i kind of love that in episode two we get two kryptonians duking it out that's pretty awesome um yep. at jlsw says i love how cat grant talks to herself in the elevator that's such a fun funny point because she totally did that Kara super heard her through the elevator, talking about how she went to breakfast with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> so random. Um, and I also and, get, and getting drunk at breakfast. She got drunk. So we, <laughs> we may get to see if Kat has any kind of history with the alcohol. Um, at B-Man923 says, I really enjoyed the episode, especially the flying scenes. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's really cool. I, I really loved the moment where Astra sort of hovers down from the sky. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And oh, and also uh, something we didn't mention, um, but that I loved with regard to flying is when she finally grants Cat Grant her interview, oh, and yes. she, that that one moment where she she puts Cat's car down on a hill and she's like kind of floating overhead and and says, "What do you want to know?" Like <laughs> that was a really great visual. Yes. Great ending shot to the episode. At Wheels of Joy says, I love how in episode two, Kara tells James she wants to do things differently from Superman. Love this show. And I think that is a great point. Um, At H.L. Whitfield says, I'm loving Supergirl. Melissa Benoist is fantastic as Supergirl and can't wait for the next episode. At U.S. underscore TV underscore Attic says, The fight mid-air with Astra looked a bit wonky, but I'm glad Melissa Benoist and Laura Bonanti were so game to do wire work. And uh, also, U.S. underscore TV underscore Attic says, I love the fact that Cara Danvers remembers Krypton. That really differentiates her from Superman. And I agree. Definitely. Um, We also got an email from one of our listeners named John Wilson, who writes, quote, 
I'm trying to get caught up on your show so that I can hear your thoughts on the television episodes. Today I'm listening to episode 29 where you two discussed Supergirl Volume 1, Lost Daughter of Krypton. So that's episode 29 of season 0. If you want to go back and listen to that, you guys. Back to the email, he says, I'm pleased that you were of two minds on the book. I think it led <laughs> to a very balanced discussion. Uh, yeah, that's that's often the best discussions. Um, I was a mad supporter of her book in the first, two, uh, first year or two of its run, so I tend to lean toward Teresa's opinions, but I can appreciate why Rebecca didn't enjoy it as much. One of the aspects of superhero literature that seems to be growing less common in postmodern writing is the expectation that your main protagonist will even consider being a hero. Kara in this story never once decides to be a superhero. She's just a girl who is driven a bit mad by the notion that her life as she knew it is gone, and she expresses this through anger. But when her natural exploration of this new life leads her across the path of rain in the uh, rain in the world breakers, she chooses to stop them because this particular conflict is of personal import, not because they're bad guys and she's a good guy. So you're right that she was not exactly heroic in the story. Rather, she's just trying to be a person whose life keeps getting interrupted by villains, monsters, and other tropes of the superhero genre. It's true. It's 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 not really the decision to be a hero. Um, it's just kind of using that as the excuse to lash out um, because you're upset about other stuff. And it's like, well, this is what I'm putting all that into. I like the idea that Kara would kind of get impacted by the world killers, uh, rain in the world killers and would kind of have to do something about it. But yeah, I don't know. I still don't have maybe, maybe sometime in the future I'll go back and revisit it and try to get um, further into that version of Supergirl. But I wasn't so crazy about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, and John also writes, quote, I know that we have 20 odd episodes of Supergirl season one before us, but I'm already starting to wonder what you might be covering during next summer season break. If I might make a suggestion, I have been reading a lot of Silver Age Supergirl and I really like it. I have to recommend this series for future consideration. It starts about with random adorable hijinks of varying quality, but beginning <laughs> with Action Comics 278, when Superman decides to make Supergirl public, the story takes on a new quality with continued stories, serial storytelling, and lots of awesome. And the saga of Superhorse is amazing. <laughs> Unquote. Um, and that's so uh, great, John. Thanks for writing in about that. We're always looking for things that we can cover during a break or a hiatus, so we appreciate those recommendations um i have a couple of things in mind that i think we could cover but um i'm definitely going to look into action comics 278 and and see what you're talking about with these because um some of that sounds really fun and i think we should totally do episodes about streaky and comet i don't know if oh we have to i mean we have to i, I think that's i i would like to know more about streaky and comet and see what their adventures are so if there's anything that you would recommend about streaky and comet throw it our way um, and we should also mention that John is a fellow podcaster and he does a podcast with his 13 year old daughter called Avengers Inspirations. So if that sounds like something you'd be into, you should check it out. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio like John did, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. And 
I know we love all of our commenters on the website, but I just want to give a big shout out to listener Rocket Dave for leaving a comment on our Cat Grant Spotlight episode to let me know that I had been saying Tracy Scoggins' name incorrectly. It's Scoggins, not Scroggins. And seriously, thank you, Rocket Dave, for that, because I've been getting that actress and the NFL player mixed up for more years than I'm willing to admit. (laughs) So that was a good lesson for me. I don't know, maybe back in the day when I was like looking stuff up, I just did a quick Google search and I just associated her name with the Google search because I guess that's what came up first. And so I just (laughs) always assumed that was her name and I never fact checked it. And so I really appreciate that Rocket Dave for setting me straight, seriously. Um, And you can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we are also available on iTunes and on Stitcher. So if you've got time, please go over and give us a rating and write us a review. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even DC movies, we've got a podcast for that. Subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcast on Twitter and like DC TV podcast on Facebook. Uh, as for me, you can find me every day over at the Mary Sue. That's the Mary Um, and I just want to let you all know that we are hardcore covering Supergirl over there. Um, <laughs> in addition to my weekly recaps uh, of the Supergirl episodes, we've also got a new video feature called the house of L, um, where I'll basically be focusing on one kind of topic that either niggled at me or, 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 you know, stuck out at me, um, and possibly trying to connect that to the original source material like we've talked about here or just any other like one big idea from the show. So it's kind of a more in-depth look at a particular theme or character or topic uh, from that week's episode. So definitely check it out at the Mary Sue um, either at the site or on YouTube at the Mary Sue's YouTube channel. Um, and as for me, you can find me on all sorts of social media Uh Twitter and Instagram, it's at Teresa Giacino. Um, Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Teresa Giacino Experience. And my website is teresagiacino.com. I really loved your first episode of House of L because you totally gave Superman what for based on <laughs> based on season zero knowledge. I could not yes. have been prouder. That yes. was amazing. So I'm okay with you calling Superman out as long as you're doing it from factual comic book <laughs> canon. So I was so super proud about that. Yay, I'm so glad. And as as far as me, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And if you want to stick around uh, for a quick spoiler section about next week's episode of Supergirl, we'll be doing that after our theme music, so stay tuned. Otherwise, go away if you want to run from the spoilers. Until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. When tweeting about the show, use hashtag Supergirl. Not hashtag Terrible Girl.
to write an expose on Supergirl. Stop telling people who you are. Supergirl! I'm gonna go talk to him. And if he doesn't want to talk... Then I'll punch him real hard until he falls down. That always seems to work. New Supergirl, next Monday, or stream it live or on demand. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Fight or Flight. The official description for episode three says, quote, Supergirl's powers are tested when Reactron, one of Superman's formidable enemies, arrives in National City and targets the young hero. Also, Kat plans to run an expose on Supergirl. And Peter Fascinelli guest stars as tech entrepreneur Maxwell Lord. And uh, I think this is really cool because we got a little bit of a tease with Maxwell Lord in episode two, Stronger Together. So now we're going to get to know more about him. We we kind of found out um, through Kara and Wynn's conversation that Wynn is a big fan of Maxwell Lord. He's got watches, read all his books. So I'm curious to see if Wynn will get some FaceTime with Maxwell Lord. Yeah, no, I have to say that was that was really fun uh, in that scene was was finding out that Windshot was like this Maxwell Lord fanboy. <laughs> it's like the same way that like, you know, someone would look up to like Donald Trump and buy his books and, and have all like and like buy the Trump water and like get all the <laughs> Trump stuff. Get all the merch. Um, but uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Maxwell Lord plays into this, especially since we know that, you know, he's not thrilled with Supergirl. You know, he's already on uh, on the news talking trash about her. So um, we'll see what happens when she has to encounter him at uh, look like in the, the footage, like at this gala that she's going to. Right. And also at that party, it looks like Reactron is going to make an appearance. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see what they do with him. I'm I'm a little bummed that he's more of a Superman foe um, in this in this take. But maybe throughout the series, maybe he'll become more of a Supergirl foe, because that's what I know him most mostly for is being an, an enemy of Supergirl. So I would like to see him for maybe he'll develop his own dislike of Supergirl and he'll I, I would kind of love it if he became like a recurring villain on the show so I don't know what's going to happen with him but I'm very excited to see what yeah. he does I mean other than Astra it seems like everything has been really final as far as the villains like like she's she takes them down they're done she takes them down they're done it would be cool if Reactron was one of the ones that could come back at any time I would love it I don't know if this is going to be the case but I would love it if General Lane and Reactron had a scene together. Maybe, I don't know if General Lane is going to have a connection with him at all. And I, I hope that maybe at some point in the series we'll see, you know, Sam Lane um, connecting with Reactron. That, that would be how I would want it to go. But we'll have to see if uh, Reactron has any ties to any of the other characters. Well, uh, we will find out more about uh, Reactron, about whatever expose Cat Grant is, is going to run on Supergirl, um, and all of that uh, in next week's episode called Fight or Flight. But in the meantime, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back with another episode discussion next week on Supergirl Radio.